What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where just when you thought it was safe to finally feel a little ounce of positivity about the Lakers again, with the team having won five out of their last six games, and AD looking like an absolute beast, and LeBron returning from injury, well, they then go ahead and decide to lose a game to the Indiana Pacers in which they were up by 17 points with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. So... Oh, how the Miles Turner tables. Oh, how the Turner tables. So here we are, reminded once again that this is the limbo season from hell because the Lakers' front office refuses to do its freaking job and expects this dilapidated roster they constructed to continually play above their punching weight to make them even blink an eye. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander, and Tommy, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving break, and I hope you've been able to rebound well from your first bout with COVID during that break. But speaking of lethargic fatigue, how did that Indiana game sit with you the other night, and were you starting to actually believe in some of the momentum the Lakers had drummed up recently? Yeah, it really bummed me out, actually, because I was starting to buy into some of the momentum. I actually thought we had a stretch where we looked really solid for... Six or seven games, the one loss being like, you know, on the road against the Suns with no LeBron. And we still played them pretty competitive, in my opinion. Um, Even though we only made like four threes or something. (laughs) We only made four threes and we like were in the game until the like final five minutes. So, you know, I I was starting to buy and then we had the 17 point fourth quarter lead against an Indiana team that has been playing like quite well. So... I was very, very frustrated, as you can imagine, I'm sure, like when we just blew that that game. I mean, we, we don't have the type of margin for error with this roster to be blowing seven point, 17 point yeah. leads in the fourth quarter at home. Like that, over the course of an 82-game season, we're going to lose our fair share of games already. We cannot be losing those types of games. Yeah, I agree with you. And fortunately for me, I've kind of been busy flying in and out of Atlanta to visit my girlfriend's family. So I wasn't able to watch that game live and in person. I kind of only rewatched it when I finally landed. So I wasn't as invested. And to me, I don't know. I I called it on Twitter, bad process karma for this Lakers team, just because bad process from the front office this entire offseason bad process from Darvin Ham and his weird rotations. I mean, you mentioned it, the 
Um, when the game ended, him pulling Russell Westbrook when he was hot, him bringing Russell Westbrook back in during the most crucial stages of a game, which you know what happens when you do that. Russell Westbrook will hit a couple shots, and you, and usually that ends up giving him the confidence to take five more ill-advised shots, which is essentially what happened to close the game against the Pacers. And I think that Pacers game is sort of just indicative of the last two years of Lakers basketball under this front office. And to me, it's just like, just when maybe Rob Palink and Jeannie thought that they could get away with what they're doing and, you know, maybe slip things under the rug with the 17-point lead and the Lakers having won five of their last six and them continuing to push the trade potential timeline down the road. Um, the basketball gods do not reward that type of bullshit, Tommy. And with the Lakers up 17 points in the fourth quarter... Um, they play like idiots, and you can blame a lot of that on LeBron James, poor shot-making and decision-making, Russell Westbrook being Russell Westbrook, Darvin Ham as the coach, being so enticed by having Russell Westbrook on his team that politics end up ruling the day at the end of the day. And then you can blame the front office for still having Russell Westbrook on this team, and they should know that Darvin Ham is prone to doing things like that. And so what you get is a last second buzzer beating three-point shot from an Indiana Pacer team that had just played the night before. And so that in total is very disheartening given the momentum that the Lakers had drummed up. And, you know, I kind of can only liken it back to last year. Anytime you felt any bit of hope, the Lakers do something stupid like this. Does that not remind you of where we were at last year? Yeah, it's it is the exact same thing. <laughs> it's like you're stuck in limbo forever until something gets done to actually change things significantly. But so I guess my question to you is, and I, I kind of led you on here with my answer, but but maybe you can sift through this a little bit better. The Lakers are now seven and twelve. They yeah. face the uh, Portland Trailblazers tonight, and then they have a very tough December with twelve games on the road. But before the Indiana game, as I mentioned, the Lakers had won five out of five out of their last six. And my question to you is, is it, has this Lakers stretch, let's take the Indiana Pacers game out of the equation. Let's say they had actually focused in the fourth quarter and been in tune with the game and not let the, you know, the rope slip and they had pulled it out and we had gotten a convincing double digit win. Then we would have won six out of our last seven. Keeping those things in mind, is the Lakers' recent stretch here fool's gold, or do you think that they've maybe found something here? Because I will say, and again, I don't want to lead you on, but of the five wins that the Lakers have had in that five of six stretch, three came against the Spurs. Only one of those games were won convincingly. One of those wins came against the Pistons at home, who we actually struggled to put away till the fourth. And then the other win came against the Brooklyn Nets without Kyrie Irving or Ben Simmons, I don't think, on the second night of a L.A. back-to-back with the Clippers. So those are the five out of six wins the Lakers had. Granted, LeBron James was missing for most of those, but those were our five wins. And then of the Lakers' seven wins this season, only two of those wins have come against teams above 500. Do you know who those teams are? Uh, The Nets and... I don't remember the other. Oh, the uh, Pelicans. Yeah, so the Nets I'm not even including because they're 11 and 11, but yeah, technically, you know. Oh, that's right. Above 500, though, the Denver Nuggets and the Pelicans. The Denver Nuggets was a legitimately, objectively good game. The Pelicans, however, were without Brandon Ingram and Herb Jones, and that was the game where we needed a DoorDash driver, Matt Ryan, (laughs) to save the day. 
Uh, we also won against Brooklyn, like you mentioned, but they're at 11 and 11, and they didn't have Kyrie Irving or Ben Simmons that time around. So yeah. with all that said, even with how dominant AD's been, and he has been dominant, and we will talk about him in this podcast episode, the Lakers have done just enough to sort of stay afloat. But if reinforcements aren't coming, in my opinion, they're going to stay mid or below mid this entire season, and they may also suffer the consequences of putting so much weight on AD's shoulders. So in your opinion, is this has this been fool's gold, or is there something that you can actually tangibly take away with you as we progress into December? I think the only thing you can take away with you is when we play certain lineups and guys know that they have to step up into roles that they're not necessarily used to, this group can be fairly elite. Maybe not elite elite defensively, but they could be very, very good. Um, so I I think you can take that bit away from it, but I think it's otherwise sort of fool's gold. I think this roster has some severe flaws and I don't know. It's a little bit telling to me that we seem to get like worse at times when LeBron is out there. So that's, that's probably not a good sign too. Yeah. What are your, before we take it to break and start talking about the individual players in this recent stretch, what are your quick thoughts on the front office's ever goal post shifting timeline of when they plan to make a trade which I like to call the ultimate display of gaslighting a fan base that I've ever seen from a basketball yeah, I mean, franchise. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Because in my opinion, given the fact that we were able to somehow drum up some momentum, even though it was sort of contingent on the quality of play, i.e. the lower level quality of play, and the weird quirk in the schedule where we just so happened to play the Spurs three times in like two weeks... In my opinion, now would have been the best time to sort of bring in reinforcements so that when LeBron James came back, everybody can be on the same page. But of course, the Lakers have this new excuse of waiting till December 15th to wait till when all the free agents in the offseason can now be traded and the Lakers can now trade all of their, you know, offseason signings, which, you know, uh, to me, that doesn't make sense because it's still veteran minimum guys. And the main salary ballast players that you can trade of Pat Bev Kendrick Nunn and honestly even Wenyan Gabriel because he was with us last season you can trade now you know so I don't really buy like yeah we'll wait till December 15th till like the floodgates open up for more trade options but your thoughts on their ever goal post shifting timeline of this all yeah I mean it, it's funny you call it gaslighting I feel like when you're like you're gaslit you have to be actually manipulated it's like what they're saying is so <laughs> bullshit like clearly bullshit at this point that like I don't does anyone taking them seriously it's like who are they even making these statements for you know it's like every time yeah. one of these statement statements come out I'm like it's like that meme where it says like no one colon and then there's nothing and then like absolutely no and nothing and then Rob Palenka constantly giving us updates on when they're thinking about maybe making a trade yeah why are you giving us these updates nobody's asking for this you know what i mean we've already accepted that you guys are a completely worthless front office and lebron is 100 years old and this team's not going anywhere so oh man yeah to sum it all up as we have been saying they're wasting their time by the time they do make a trade if they make a trade it likely won't matter and or someone will be injured same thing we've been saying like all last year and yeah, I guess they can improve the team somewhat if they try and do this like one first Kendrick Nunn, Patrick Beverly ancillary deal without including Westbrook. But to me, it kind of feels like we're just half-assing things once again. Like Westbrook's been good, don't get me wrong, but he's still $47 million on your bench that you should be parlaying into better depth. And he's your yeah. best asset to do that with. 
And for Westbrook, like, no matter how good he continues to be, he will eventually bite you in the ass in close games, especially if you manage to make the playoffs. So to me, like, delaying the inevitable to settle on maybe a mid-type deal or do nothing at all while Anthony Davis is playing like this, to me it's malpractice and pretty disgraceful. But what are your thoughts on the, like, revised thing that they have now going where they make it sound like it's a new deal where they're like, Pat Bev, none and a first is what we're going with because Russell Westbrook's playing pretty well. But really, it's not anything new from what yeah. has happened last year because this is the same deal as Pat. Same deal as see that even they're confusing me. Uh, same deal as Kendrick Nunn, THT, and a first, and they didn't make any deal at the trade deadline. They didn't make any deal during the summer, and they probably won't make a deal in December. But let's give them the be- the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, maybe they finally pull off this ancillary deal. Will it make a difference? No, (laughs) it won't make a difference. I agree with you completely. I, what everything they're saying is complete nonsense. I think what they want to do is have a hard reset, get under the repeater tax and build a team from the ground up again around LeBron and AD. I don't know what, like if the, how much they've thought this through, because like, for example, Austin Reeves is like a guy that when you think about the cap space plan or whatever for next summer, like he, that assumes we don't retain him, which we should. I, I don't know what they're going to be looking for in a trade. I don't know that the trade that they want exists. I, I just think that what they're doing is it's just like, it's nonsense, like time waste, you know, they're expecting yeah. that they're going to have a, a first round pick in the 18 to 24 range. And I think they're scouting for that. And I think they don't, really aren't really thinking about anything else yeah so i i don't know why i'm gonna do this i'm gonna go out on a limb though and say that for optics i think they pull off an ancillary um first kendrick nunn pat bev deal just because i don't i mean can they do this can they do this to anthony davis and not do anything I think it would be a very, very bad look to future stars that like yes the lakers m o is they want you because they want to have they want to have the stars affiliated with the franchise. They want to have LeBron breaking Kareem's record in a Laker jersey for the history books. So every time they show the the shot of him breaking the record, he's wearing a Lakers jersey. Like they <laughs> want all that stuff and they want to be affiliated with all that stuff. But I, they've proven two years in a row that that's where the line you know that's where it ends. They'll pay the stars. They'll take care of the stars. They'll coddle the stars and bend over for the stars and do what the stars want them to do to a degree. But beyond that, they don't care. They know they have a city they can sell and a city uh, just a place that's desirable for people to live. And and I just I don't I don't think they should do this to Anthony Davis and I don't know why he's accepting it. He should probably just demand a trade. Um but, you know, it it it, it all feels like a a little absurd. Yeah. So I think we're both in agreement. They should just try and find the best deal for two firsts and Russell Westbrook that they can make. But given that it doesn't seem like they're going to do that, I do think they will find the next best ancillary trade that they can make with one first Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly, just to assuage Anthony Davis, LeBron James and the fans. This is like Rob Palenka's new, we're not done yet, you know, when then he pulled off the Patrick Beverly trade. I think he will make like a, a higher end version of that with a first round pick, but then not sacrifice, obviously, 
that second first and still maintain flexibility for 2023. But again, any deal that they make, even ancillary-wise, is likely going to be for an expiring contract deal, right? So we're still going to sort of be waiting in the same waters. We will have a better team to sort of be excited about, hopefully. Um, But that's the best case scenario in my end. I think they will do a trade for optics reasons, even though I do think they it would make way more sense to just get the most depth you can for two first round picks, offload Russell Westbrook and start to build out what your 2023, 24 season looks like while giving yourself a shot this season to actually compete. Given the fact that AD looks rejuvenized, you know what I mean? LeBron James will have to get him up to speed and get the rust out and hope that we can, you know, sort of maintain him through the rest of the season. But you know, what will help with that, Tommy better depth. Um, so with that said, let's take it to break. When we return, let's talk about Anthony Davis's recent dominant stretch. We can get into LeBron James and some of the role players as well and talk more about what we've seen on the court. Uh, so yeah, we will catch you guys after the break. Hey folks, happy holidays from the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Hope you all get the gift that you want this December, and I hope we all get the Lakers trade that we want as well. Though I won't be holding my breath on that one, obviously. But speaking of gifts... The best one that you can give us as the Lakers Legacy Podcast this holiday season is a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, or a simple five-star tap on our Spotify page. If nothing else, please do it for Tommy, as he becomes a new dad this December. So yeah, we very much appreciate your guys' support. Thank you guys for listening. If you appreciate us and our show, please let it be known with some thumb taps as well. Or if you're in the financially giving mood, you can also visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast for as little as a dollar, where you'll get some extra audio segments, some extra listens, off the record episode podcasts, etc., etc. But for now, a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or Spotify will do. So thank you guys so much. And now back to the rest of our showtime. All right, so we are back. Tommy, let's talk about Anthony the Brow Davis, Anthony the Brow Beast Davis. In the month of November, Anthony Davis is averaging 27 points, 13.7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2.4 blocks on 59% from the field and 83% from the free throw line. Though he did have a four-game stretch where he hit 46 of 50 free throws. That is 92%. It's insane. Most importantly, in this recent stretch, Ham has decided to make Anthony Davis the focal point of the entire offense and the team, and he's made a more concerted effort to have players force-feed him the ball every every single time down. Um, and we also won games as a result of it without LeBron. Anthony Davis in November has had 37 points, 18 rebounds, 38 points, 16 rebounds, 30 points, 18 rebounds, 37 points, 21 rebounds. I don't know if we've seen Anthony Davis put up those numbers since AD finished third in MVP voting back in 2018 with the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, What have your thoughts been on Anthony Davis, even though he still doesn't look as explosive and sort of fast and streaky as he did in the Pelicans days? He's finding new ways to sort of exert his dominance and he's helped us stay afloat. Your thoughts on AD? Well, he's, yeah, he's playing a different style of ball, which is fine. I mean, he's playing center now. So he's not a young power forward, you know, who is going to be running around on the perimeter like he was doing a lot more. His game is a lot more methodical, but and maybe it's not as explosive in the ways that it used to be in 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 certain ways, but he's still extremely explosive. I mean, this guy is playing 
certainly from a numbers perspective, much better than he even did his first year here, um, which was obviously like top five player overall. And I think he is playing that top five player overall type of ball. He's shooting 57% from the field, which is a career high. And this is on a team that is famously horrible spacing the ball. You know, his three-point attempts have gone all the way down, so he's made a concerted effort to not shoot uh, you know, threes this year for whatever reason. His free throw percentage has gotten back up to where it was for most of his career. He's number one in the NBA in rebounding, for God's sake. Okay, yeah. He's averaging 12.8 rebounds a game, which is by far a career high for him. He's third in the league in blocks, averaging 2.3. He's still getting, you know, his one and a half steals a game, which is right around his career numbers. I mean, he is so, and averaging 26, which is, I think, top 10. So, he is just so dominant on both ends right now. And, and, and it's like sort of disheartening to see because the guy is laying it all out there for this team to be so below mediocre. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just like, how are we forget LeBron, right? How are we, and forget Russ and all the like distractions that came along with him, but how are we going to get Anthony Davis, the help that he needs? Like that should be the number one, two and three priority for this team. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a, it's such a shame because where's the front office holding up their end of the bargain and laying it out all on the floor, right? They keep pushing this narrative that like they need to prove it to us. Well, one dude who's been perennially banged up is proving it to you right now that he is still that dude, especially when the scheme makes him that dude once again. And you look back on the times when, you know, Anthony Davis has sort of been um, labeled as a floating player, a lethargic player, you know? But I think really it's just he's been with ball-dominant dudes, right? And the coach hasn't adjusted the scheme to literally force-feed Anthony Davis. And when you get to these second halves, too, and you saw it in the Indiana Pacers game, yes, yes, Anthony Davis has been doing this at the five, but particularly in the Indiana Pacers game and other games before it, you see him gassed by the fourth quarter, right? And you always question, why is he putting up like 20 points in the first half and then by the time we get to the fourth quarter, he only gets like two touches? Well, first of all, he is your only main anchor on the defensive end, right? And by the time the fourth quarter comes around, he's, he's gassed. So why don't you why don't you get him the help he needs, whether that's a new wing or another five next to him? Do you think he can do this stuff at the power forward position, or do you feel like AD should just be at the five forever? I feel like he could do this stuff at the power forward position too. I, I agree, because all it takes is Darvin Ham telling all the players, clear the floor out, give it to Anthony Davis, run high pick and roll, let's do this. You know? Like yeah. that's been the biggest shift to me recently offensively. It's like just making a concerted effort to keep Anthony Davis the focal point of everything you're doing. And ta-da, voila, good things happen, right? And now that LeBron James is getting reintegrated into this team, I mean, he's kind of had to readjust, right? And Anthony Davis has to unfortunately had to take a back seat, and now we're seeing to close these games. Why is Anthony Davis not touching the ball? You know, it's so frustrating, right? Yeah. It's like we've seen it work, you know? But when you have such ball-dominant players, it, I mean, it's bad enough that you have Russell Westbrook out there, but you're, you know, LeBron James is just coming back from injury, and it, it just feels like, I don't know, did LeBron James watch the last few weeks or so? You know what I mean? No, I, I'm going to yeah. give him some of the benefit of the doubt here just because he is reintegrating himself. He did win us that San Antonio game where he hit like seven threes. But at yeah. the same time, it felt like he didn't, process what was going on when ad was like 
going on this like beastly MVP streak and he didn't make a concerted effort like Darvin Ham and the rest of the team to sort of uh, reintegrate himself to that, right? Do you want to well, talk can, about LeBron? Yeah, I do. Because I, I just want to say about LeBron, right? We've, we've given Russ plenty of warranted flack. And I'm not even basing this just off the Indiana game. LeBron this whole season, to me, has been giving me very, very strong, like Kobe mid-2010s vibes. You know what I mean? It feels like mm-hmm. the guy is just here to ISO and try to make like absurdly contested long jumpers that he could like post on his in- Instagram or like the occasional highlight dunk in transition. I've been really disappointed in LeBron because forget about, again, the offense. Like, I think we have enough guys on this team that can score some points for us. I've been more, more like disgusted with LeBron defensively. I mean, when we were a top like defensive team with Vogel, uh, Vogel's first two years with the Lakers. So LeBron's second and third years here. LeBron was playing like well above average defense. I'm not saying this dude was up for defensive player of the year, but he was playing solid defense. Now, when you watch this guy, he's constantly leaving guys open off the ball. He's constantly missing box out assignments. He doesn't rotate all the time. Usually he doesn't, right? And he looks like he's not even trying. Like he he can barely make it up the floor. If he can't play 35 minutes a game, he should be asking to come out of the game. But he doesn't, right? It feels to me, and again, I don't want to be like too harsh about this, but it does feel to me like he's so focused on the scoring average right now. He wants to make sure he's keeping that at the right number so that he can hit number one scoring this season. To me, it's disappointing because it feels like we've been running a real offense for the first time since we signed LeBron. And despite that, it just feels like he wants to stall it. His assists are down. His turnovers are up. His shooting all over the court is way down. And his defense is just like not non-existent he doesn't run back after misses which he's had like a bad habit of doing the last couple of seasons but his misses at the rim are way up this year he complains constantly about his lack of calls despite averaging i think he's like 0.7 less than what he's been the past few years and that's with him taking like many many more jump shots than he used to this is like a minor thing but it just becomes a pet peeve when you can factor it with all these other things He's walking to the line as a 70% shooter to take technical foul shots when we have guys <laughs> out. No, I'm just like, seriously, we yeah, have yeah, guys yeah. out there shooting 80, 90%. And LeBron, and he missed, by the way, we lost that game by one point. LeBron missed one of those free throws that he went up to the line mm-hmm. to take. It's just like, feels selfish. I mean, I, I understand the guy is 37 years old. And so a lot of people listening to this are probably like, what do you expect? But I guess for me, it's like there is a way for him to fit in. We've asked AD to fit in, and he has. AD's having the best year he's had in three years. We've asked Russ to fit in, and he has. He hasn't been amazing, but he's been much, much, much better, I think everyone could agree, than he was last season. And LeBron, I just feel like, you know, this team isn't good, and yeah, we could kind of blame Russ's salary for part of the reason this team's not good, but LeBron is also not playing, like, close to a 40 plus million dollar player value at this point. And like, we're the Lakers. We're not the Cavs or the heat or whatever that we could say, well, we have the benefit of the last, like all these years he put in the time for us. We don't have that. So if he's going to be out here, like making a big scene about like, you know, I don't know what his goal is with this season. I assume that a lot of the leaks of, you know, trade rumors and stuff about clutch wanting to get more help and blah, blah, blah. That. Some of that's coming from him, but, like, he has to, like, step up, too. 
and start playing better. I, I mean, like, we cannot deal with LeBron James shooting 45% from the field and not running back on defense this entire yeah. season. It's just, that is the most crippling. Like, yeah, we had a light schedule when he got injured, but it wasn't just the light schedule. We looked like we were playing with a plan to win the game. And now he comes in and he throws the game plan in the trash and just wants to stand there and take one-legged, like, fadeaway, you know, 20-footers that horrifically miss. Like, he doesn't have the lift anymore. He was doing that a couple years ago, or last year. He went on a big scoring tear last year because we weren't playing defense. It was just LeBron shoot the ball every night. And now it's like we're actually trying to win games, or at least I think we're trying to win games. And LeBron is playing like it's last year, and he's playing with Carmelo Anthony and, like, all those guys, and they're just running and chucking. And it's just like yeah, somebody needs to be calling this guy out for this a little bit. Well, so, yeah, I think the bad part is LeBron James has sort of turned into a front runnery sort of player. Like, things are good when we're up and yeah. he's able to, like, load up on the threes and he's hot, kind of like the San Antonio game where he had, like, 39 points or whatever. But it's come down to the point where when it's a close game, I don't think he can be consistently relied upon anymore. Not to say that, like, that won't turn around, but recently, if it's a close game, he, he will settle for jump shots and then to add insult to injury, he will go away from Anthony Davis, right? Yeah. So it's like, not only can he not be relied upon, but we're also moving away from what was working the first three quarters uh, and when we were winning and moving away from Anthony Davis. So it's kind of like, it hurts on a lot of levels. Um, but how much, I guess you you kind of hinted at it, but how much of it is, I'm not, I'm not defending LeBron because I feel like he did come out of the gates this season really trying along with Anthony Davis. His shot just wasn't falling. But how much of it is just the overall malaise and limbo of this season sort of maybe getting to LeBron that, and and the inaction from the front office too that, and I'm, I don't want to play armchair psychologist, but I'm just saying, you know, like we had a better LeBron to start this season when they were trying. And then we saw the results of that and it was like 0-5, oh, right? Um, and how much of that is LeBron James just sort of subconsciously moping around till the front office does something and gets them actual help? And I guess to counteract my own argument, that can be true, but at the same time, just look over to your side and see Anthony Davis busting his butt off, and it's like, well, at least do it for Anthony Davis, who you won a championship yeah. with, right? If you're not going to do it for the front office, that's fine. If you want to do not do it for the franchise, that's fine, but... At least, you know... Do it for AD, I agree. Do it for AD, yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't... I, I think that's even still giving him too much benefit of the doubt. Like, I think LeBron wants to play the way he wants to play. Even that 39-point game against the Spurs, that was a 2021-22 Lakers season type of game. Like, LeBron just wanted to run up and down and shoot threes and not defend anybody. We gave up 135 points in that game. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. We, like we won the game, so it doesn't matter. And it's like people move on. It's like whatever. Back to back road games against the same team. Like, sure, you're gonna have some weird games. They didn't play. Whatever. Like, at least you got the W and you move on. That was not a good process game. They looked like crap in that game too. You know, in my opinion, overall. And it was the same thing. Like, like we win that Indiana game, and we're eight and eleven right now. 
we're like a game and a half out of the playoffs at that point. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, the schedule is getting tough. And, and yeah, you know, you know, you can make the arguments about he wanted more to be done with the roster, whatever you want to call it. Like this team had a, a like LeBron signed his extension when this team was like set. You know what I mean? It's not like he yeah. signed his extension in April and like he didn't know. Like he knew what this team was most likely going to be. And so it just feels like very, very selfish. And especially, I think, for AD, like, AD is playing, like, a top-five player right now, and he should not be on a team that's 7-12. and 12. And part of the reason he's on a team that's 7-12 and 12 is because he doesn't have enough help. It's not LeBron and AD don't have enough help. It's like, AD needs more help. So LeBron needs to step up and and play on both ends. And if you can't play 35 minutes, say that. But, like, if your scoring nonsense is going to go into next season, I think he's like obsessed with this idea of like breaking it this year for some reason. But like, if it's going to go to next season, it's going to go to next season. You're not retiring. You're under contract to play next season. <laughs> so like, you're playing somewhere. So like, just get it. Like, like put that away. Like, play defense and cut your minutes. I don't know what he needs to do, but he needs to like make himself an effective player again. Well, so I'll say two last things on LeBron. One. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt with regards to him just returning from injury. If we're still talking about the same stuff like a week or two from now, yeah, it's a problem. And then two, just to counteract my counteraction, I, I, I sort of, you know, at his age, should he be busting his ass for this decrepit roster though? You know, like I, I can see from his end even just subconsciously being like, I just came back from injury. Why would I be giving my all for a roster that looks like this, even if AD is here, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like just internally as, as us as human beings, like we would just be worried about our own health and you hate him settling for jump shots. I guess what he needs to do then, if he is worried about his health is not settle for jump shots and pass it then. Right. Is that what you're asking for? It's like, okay, well, if you don't want to bust your ass, like playing defense or all this stuff, then just don't take all the shots and saying. actually like, involve AD. Yeah, my argument is less like, hey, LeBron, why do you suck, right? That's not the point of this, which I realize it probably is coming across a little bit like that, but that's not the point of this. LeBron can be an effective player. My problem is he is choosing to be inefficient because he's like, it to me, feels like he cares solely about his scoring and nothing else. I mean, you could see, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who were listening to this saw the clips of him. And I told you, because you were just getting off, you mentioned this, you were just getting off the plane after the Pacers game. I said, dude, we were, you have to believe me on this, we were up 17 with nine minutes left to go in the game. And LeBron had like two, like a minute and a half of just taking horrific shots and, and not running back on defense and leaving like loafing while Matherin who scored like 30 points on us is like running around shooting wide open, uncontested threes. And LeBron is just like jogging out there half speed. And we lost 10 points off that lead in like a minute and a half, you know, and that's what basically lost us the game. And, and so those are the things that I'm like, you have 80 right now, this dude's PER, you know, is top three in the NBA. And if you look at the other guys, Luka, Jokic, and Curry, and Giannis, the only other guy in that top five who plays defense is Giannis. So, like, AD is having a legit, like, top three to five type of season. I think he's top three in double-doubles. Yeah, he's just tied for second in double-doubles. His blocks are, you know great his steals are great like i said shooting career high percentages better offensively overall than he was for us his first season here like even if he doesn't have the same like explosiveness i guess but 
just as effective, if not more effective than ever, by far and away our best player. And LeBron is just shitting the bed for him, in my opinion. And he could do things to, you know, he doesn't need to be shooting 20. LeBron is attempting more field goals per game than AD. You know what I mean? LeBron is shooting yeah. 21 and a half a game and AD is shooting like 17 and a half or so. So LeBron should not be taking four shots more than AD per game. Well, the last thing I'll say is maybe this is just LeBron thinking he could coast his way into reintegrating himself, but hopefully the Indiana Pacers game is sort of a wake-up call to all of that, right? Because nine minutes or like three minutes into the fourth quarter, his plan was working. He He could just do whatever he wanted to, take the same shots, and the Lakers were up by like 17, right? But hopefully... That game was like a shock to LeBron, the rest of the team, that like, hey, our margin for error, like you said, is so small. We cannot fall asleep at the wheel at any moment this season if we want to try and make something of the season. Um, So yeah, hopefully this isn't what we're talking about like a week or two from now. But to close this episode, anything to say about any of the other role players since we last spoke? I mean, Dennis Schroeder has come back. He's looked pretty solid in his return, showing himself to be a viable Westbrook and or Nunn slash Patrick Beverly slash Patrick Beverly replacement if the Lakers should decide to move off of any one of those players or a combo of those players. His best game was against San Antonio where he had 21 points and six assists. He's hitting his pull-up mid-range Jays, pushing the pace, playmaking, and essentially being the preseason Kendrick Nunn we thought we would get, but with more defensive upside. Um, And then Austin Reeves, he continues to showcase his bag. He's getting frisky with his on-ball dribbles. Some of his passes have been downright incredible. In November, he's averaging 12 points, three rebounds, two assists on 52% from the field, 36% from three, hitting one a game. He's shooting that three-point shot with more confidence and intention. He's actually shooting better on the year from three, 39% from three on the year, which which is great. Um, Lonnie Walker has been very, very consistent throughout all of this, which is amazing. And I love that he had something to prove to San Antonio in the three games that we played yeah, against them. It was three revenge games in a row. <laughs> yeah, three revenge games by Lonnie Walker. Um, in November, Lonnie is averaging 18 points on 51% from the field, 44% from three, hitting 2.1 a game. To put that into perspective, he shot 21% from the three, 21% from three to start the year now shooting 44% from three in November, while also bringing the defensive activity and the tremendous feats of athleticism that really help build momentum up for this team. And then lastly, I want to point out Thomas Bryant and Wenyan Gabriel. They've really brought the energy and grit and hustle. They've been running the floor well, grabbing boards, tapping balls loose, um, even hitting a few mid-range Js too. Um, currently they are the only Anthony Davis quote unquote paint guards at the moment, helping shield him from too much bruising and bashing down low. Uh, Thomas Bryant had a 15 and nine game versus San Antonio and is actually shooting 77% from the field. Granted it's on very low volume, but 77% is pretty uh, impressive. And then even Wenyon has had two 15 point games in this stretch and has started hitting some threes as well. But at the end of the day, it's really his hustle and activity when it comes to crashing the glass, defending and running the floor, that has been the biggest spark to the Lakers. So to close us out, any thoughts on any of the guys I mentioned or any other role players? I feel like most of our role players, you know, I'm going to say like with the exception of Pat Bev and like in terms of guys who play, like with the exception of maybe like Pat Bev and maybe Troy Brown at times, like I feel like all of our role players have actually done exactly what we sort of hope they would do. 
Um, I guess maybe not Damian Jones too, but you know, Lonnie, we've talked about Austin has just been phenomenal this season. You just, he's a reliable player to have out there. You just feel like he's not going to screw things up. The thing with Dennis Schroeder, that's been really nice. Dennis Schroeder, it just like is so much more pleasant to watch it when you know, he's a minimum player, right? When you thought this is yes. potentially a $23 <laughs> million a year player, like it's not as fun. Um, but the thing that's been really nice about him is, this dude just currently has a four to one assisted turnover ratio. You know, he's limited minutes so far, small sample size, but like that is exactly what you want in like your bench guards or even as in your starting guards, you just want a guy who's not going to like make a lot of mistakes. It's kind of in many ways, a very nice contrast to like the Russ sort of situation because Russ is like high upside, like high ceiling, low floor. Like you, you're either going to get him coming off the bench and getting you like a 20 point triple double, like nearly, or he just comes in and shoots two for 12 and has five turnovers. So it's nice having Schroeder with the four to one assisted turnover ratio kind of feel like much more of a steady guard. I wish he could shoot a little bit better, but you can't, you can't have it all. So yeah, the only other comment I have on, on the guys that you mentioned, Thomas Bryant needs to be playing more. This guy has looked pretty solid and yeah, maybe, I don't know what his deal is with defending on the perimeter. I feel like him and Wenyan have been good enough to justify playing both of them. I don't think you have to phase one of them out. I think LeBron could take some less minutes. I think Pat Bev, you know, he's been out of the rotation, but when he gets back, it's, you know, I think he could see some less minutes. I think Wenyan Gabriel and Thomas Bryant can play together, and I think they should play together at times. And more teams than we realize nowadays play big, or if they don't play big, their plan is the same as ours, which is to play four guards and try to get to the rim. So if you have a big man out there, you're going to deter that. And I feel like we try to play small way, way, way too much, given that yes. we signed two legit centers and we retained Wenyan. So like we should be using some more of the size we have and try to beat teams up on the inside. And you sort of, you sort of saw Ham do it a little bit in the game against Indiana. He played Wenyan and Thomas Bryant together and it worked, you know, and he only did it because like Indy had started making a run and they were beating us up on the inside. And, you know, once we got those two guys in there, it sort of stabilized things a little. Yeah, I agree. The new Basham hustle bros, uh, TB and Wenyan Gabriel. Yeah, that'll pretty much be it for this episode. Uh, good luck to the Lakers. They should win against the Portland Trailblazers tonight, Sands, Damian Lillard, but who knows what happens. They should be mad enough to win tonight. But again, with this team and this season, anything can happen, but they need to get their wins where they can get them now, especially because December is going to be very, very brutal for this team, going on the road for 12 games and facing a much stiffer level of competition than we've had recently it's going to be a shock to our system tommy to not have san antonio (laughs) one out of every three games coming up so no more san antonio down this stretch and so the lakers are going to really have to band together here and hopefully we can all have a good holiday season with the lakers winning but we shall see and again december 15th new timeline trades we'll see but with that said tommy i will catch you later peace see ya
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.